morning I'm preaching on a topic that you're going to enjoy, and um, I want, it's, it's, we're talking about our bodies. Just have a look at yours. <laughs> now don't laugh, just have a look, at, a look at yours. Some of you have got an amazing specimen body there. Some of you, it's a little like me, I just, you know, I chuckle at mine, but, um, you know. It's a, it's a good topic. You're going to enjoy it. But I want to just ask two ladies, two wonderful ladies in our church, just to come and talk about their um, exercise that they're up to, their fitness um, program, because I think we all can, can um, help with a little, need a little bit of motivation to, to, um, to get involved. And it's great when we see people who are um, taking that effort. So Tara and Lynn, would you both like to come? And I don't know which one of you wants to speak first. Lynn wants to speak first. <laughs> Just, just tell us what you're up to, Lynn, and especially why you got into it. Yeah. Um, for me, exercise has always been really sporadic. I've had times of real consistent exercise, and more often and longer times of barely getting out the door. And I decided to do the Otago Rail Trail with a group of people about three years ago, and I didn't want to do that if I was the last one, if I was unfit and struggling each day. So I got on my bike and I really loved it. It just sort of changed my mind about it. Alongside that, I'd always wanted to run. I used to decades ago. And every time I started, I would get hurt somewhere and two or three runs and that was the end of it. Earlier this year, I saw an ad on Facebook for extra mile runners, a get up to 5K. I thought, yep, I'll do that. And... Um, I enrolled with three times a week, early in the morning, all weathers. And I started out able to run 30 seconds. And at the end of the eight weeks, I, could run, I was running 5Ks and really proud of myself, actually. Um, since then, I've completed two 10K courses. And I'm now running on my own really happily at the moment. I'm hooked, actually. Um, alongside you know, this... I had a birthday ending in a zero, one of those horrible ones. And I read a story of a 97-year-old man who holds the world 60-metre sprint record. Um, and he's about to start his own clothing label. You know, it, it really inspired me. Um, and I thought, I want, to, I want that. I want to be like that. Um, I want to be healthy, active, and with it mentally in my old age. And exercise can do that. Research shows 30 minutes a day, uh, five times a week is good for your, better for your brain than Sudoku or crosswords. And walking's <laughs> fine, it doesn't have to be running. Um, and for me, there was a couple of real keys that got me exercising. One, I paid for that programme. And there's no way if I've paid for something, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm too tight. But I, I made the decision beforehand. I never on the day thought, shall I, shan't I? Oh, no. I decided before I even started that Monday I'm out. And so that really helped. Um, for quite a while, when I was actually running, it wasn't always enjoyable. But I enjoyed it before. I enjoyed the thought of it and I enjoyed it after. And once I got to a level, I actually do enjoy it now. Um, and I had a goal. Once I got going, I really wanted to do a half marathon. Back in about 1982, I did, did my last half marathon which is way before you guys were born over there. <laughs> um, and I, at that stage, I wanted to do a marathon, which I never got to. So um, that's been my goal. It is my goal now. Anyway. Alongside of that, I've had a bit of a change in my eating habits and lost some weight and feel really good. I'm probably, for me, the fittest and healthiest, most full of energy 
I've been in my life. It feels great. Next year, hopefully, half marathon and a full marathon. Clothing label when I'm 90. Um, for me, at the start of this year, I was struggling with a lot of different allergic reactions in my face, and I didn't know what they were from. My, my, like my lips and stuff keep blowing up, and so I had to do like an elimination elimination diet to try and work it out and um, I never worked out what it was but they kind of went away and I started feeling good about myself and healthy and I thought well I should um, work on my other allergy which is to exercise <laughs> so um, I joined the extra mile runners as well and this isn't a promo for extra mile runners but it really worked for me so their eight-week training program from going from 30 seconds like can I do 30 seconds running? Is that going to be embarrassing? Or to actually doing the 5K at the end. And I've carried on going through the programs for most of this year. And I've ended up getting up to 12Ks. And I think Lynn's done further than that. So for me, it was just that, um, I don't know, the sense of achievement that really kept me going. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I have much more to say about it. But yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great to hear. That's just incredible um, motivation for all of us. Hey, we've been doing a series on Transformed that, that um, we're looking at seven different areas of our life, and today we're looking at our, our physical lives. And we're basing it on that um, scripture in Romans uh, 12, verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the patterns of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if change is going to happen in anybody's life, here's where it happens. That's where it begins. We work on this. And it doesn't matter what aspect of life we're talking about. It's our thinking that either releases us or limits us. Can I get an amen? I'm actually telling the truth, aren't I? And then it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So have you ever thought of this thought? Have you, has this ever gone through your head? That the creator of the universe wants you fit, healthy, and well. He wants you fit. He wants your body in good condition. That's, that's um, an amazing thought. You know, often we do focus on our spiritual life. We know God is interested in our spiritual life. We know he wants us to have good morals, good character. But... Kind of the body just comes along behind or comes along with us for the ride, really, doesn't it? We, everywhere we go, we are. Yeah. You ever notice that? Yeah. Bruce, you were in, Ru in Russia just a few weeks ago. You were there, weren't you? Your body came as well. It'd be nice if you could go with just without the body. It wouldn't cost much. You'd just <laughs> get there. No one would be able to grab you. You wouldn't be in any trouble. You could go where you shouldn't be and all sorts of things. You could have fun. But everywhere we go, we are. But we don't often think about it. And, and often we can be less involved with our bodies and more involved in the serious spiritual stuff. I was chatting with a group of pastors one day, and we were talking about um, routines that we, we find hard to keep in our life. And, and everyone was talking about their quiet times. And I can agree with everything that was being said at that meeting. But I said, I'm finding it really hard to keep fit. And seriously, people looked at me as if I'd said the wrong thing that I shouldn't be interested in this, that it wasn't really important. It would be much better if I was talking about something spiritual. But could it be that looking after our physical bodies could be spiritual? Yeah, could God be that interested? Yeah. 
You know, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2, there's only one chapter, 3 John verse 2 says, Dear friend, I hope that all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. How amazing. John's an old man and he's writing this. I like to think that he's just done his 20 press-ups in the morning and it's on his mind and so he speaks it out. But he's also inspired by the Spirit of God. That actually, guys, I'm writing to Christians, you should be as strong physically as you are spiritually. What a great thought. You know... The New Testament only says a few things about physical fitness. One of them is this, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, As the saying goes, exercise is good for the body, but religion helps you in every way. It promises life now and forever. These words are worthwhile and should not be forgotten. And it sounds like it's putting getting fit and looking after yourself down, and that the real important stuff is spirituality, but it's not. It's actually saying, hey, here's a truism. Here's something that is true in every culture, every generation, every time that has ever existed. Exercise is good for the body. And then just springboards off that to exalt spirituality. But it's not saying looking after yourself doesn't matter. It's It's actually coming from something that is absolutely true in every culture, every race, every people group, every nationality, every age, whether you're young, whether you're old. Exercise is good for the body, and we should be encouraging each other in it. But you know, the scripture doesn't say very much about it. And do you know why? Have you ever thought why there's not a lot in there? Because it was written 2,000 years ago. What was the most common form of transport 2,000 years ago? Point to them. Point to them. Yeah, yours. People walked everywhere. And so people were at a different stage to us in our busy life where we're connected 24-7 and we're flat out and, you know, and there's so many sedentary jobs, eh, where we're just sitting for a lot of the time. But in those days, everyone was involved in much more activity. You know, I want to just, um, I want to highlight, uh, oh no, I won't, I'll go on to, to uh, something else. What's a motivation that's good enough to keep you going year after, week after week, year after year, in, ge- in keeping fit? What's a motivation that could do it? Good health, going to church. Yeah, yeah, friends. The world tries to tell us something, doesn't it? The world tries to tell us why we should keep fit and, and look after ourselves. And, and it says... It says to, you, you really need to look after yourself so that you can look good, you can be buff, you can be sexy, you can be attractive, so that people will look to you and exalt you and put you on a pedestal and want to be your friends. That's kind of the thing that the world says. And, and, and it tries to link whether we're fit and how we look with our identity. And it's just not true. Because that's not your identity, whether you're fit or not. You're something far greater than that in your identity. But if you try to find your worth and your value in looks, then you'll soon find that you can't. You can go to the gym five days a week or seven days a week. You can go twice on some days. But you won't, it won't provide value to us. Yeah. 
Because even the most beautiful people think that they're not. They all think they should be different and changed, and that's why the cosmetic industry, uh, surgery industry is going rampant. Because even the most beautiful people in the world think, well, if I could just change that, then I would really matter. No one thinks that they're good enough. And you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. Summer's coming. If you're like me and you're heading to the beach, well, do the best you can with what you've got. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you try to find your identity in it, it's not going to do it, is it? It's, our identity is that we're sons and daughters of God. And, and when we find that, and when that actually gets from here to here, then the other stuff just finds its right place. And it's incredibly good. But for most of us, the, as far as we can go, we're not as quite got to where Lynn and Tara are. Most of us, we buy the equipment or we buy the gear, and that's about as far as it goes. We're more like these people on the screens. Just have a watch. Going to the movies in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Get a manicure in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Showing off my baby in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. I drink Coke Zero in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Waiting for the bus in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Buying active wear in my active wear. on the street in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Doing literally nothing in my active wear. So most of us at some stage of our life have bought equipment and bought gear and we haven't gone very much further than that. Can I get a hand? Ah, yeah, it's human nature, isn't it? So what could we have that might motivate us? It is a good question that's greater than, than I really should, so I will. What, what could we do it? What could, what, could, what could there be? And I want to give you six um, godly reasons for choosing to live healthy. And you know, the, the um, most important piece of all is the fact that we need the energy that fitness will give us to be able to fulfill the will of God. We need the energy that fitness and living well and being, being healthy will give us to be able to fulfill the will of God. If you've got your Bibles, I'm reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm reading uh, in the New Living Translation starting at verse 12. You say, Paul says this, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. But he comes back at them then and he says, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. 
You say, food is made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul comes back and he says, this is true. Though someday God will do away with it, uh, with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Don't you, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself into, uh, with a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. As that just raises the whole profile of how we're to look at our body so much higher than often we do. I want to read it to you out of the message, because the message has a great turn of phrase. Listen to this. Just because something is technically right, technically legal, doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Isn't that cool? Just because something is technically legal, you can get away with it, doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Paul says, if I went around doing whatever I thought I could get away with, I'd be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You you wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As is written in Scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another, another, one other special one. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. You know, when I read this, I was absolutely struck 
with how important my body is to God. Um, and it, I've had to lift, even in the last weeks, I've had to lift how I actually view my body and how important it is. So I want to show you these six things that God says about this amazing machine that we get to live in and control called the body. And this section is not um, uh, mistreating, is not about not mistreating it with too much food. And I would, oh, sorry, this section is all about um, uh, not mistreating our bodies with too much food, and I would add a lack of exercise, or with sexual addictions, and I would add any addiction at all in our body. And I want to look at these six, what are actually really counterculture, quite radical claims. And the first thing that that passage says is that my body and your body are not our property, they're God's property. Our bodies actually belong to God. And that's totally, radically different to what the world tells us, right? Yeah. Verse 13 says, our bodies were made for the Lord. And the world says, this body's mine, and I can do whatever I like with it because I own it. And we've all grown up thinking that, but it's not true. The Bible says this body's on loan to us. And it belongs to God. It's His by design, and it's His by, cre by creation. None of us made our bodies, did we? And Scripture says He formed us in our mother's womb. And we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we get loaned this body for a period of time, but it remains His. Now, if you have kids that have grown up to the age of asking for the car keys, you know what it's like to give your kids something that is of value to you. And you watch to see whether they are valuing it and looking after it or mistreating it. And, and it really matters, doesn't it? So this body is God's property, that we have as God's property. But the second thing that that section tells us is that we must manage it. We're not the owner, but we have full rights as a manager to keep it well-tuned. Verse 12 says, Not everything is good for me, and I must not become a slave to anything. We really are called to self-governance of our lives. Self-governance. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Remember I was preaching out of this a little while ago. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. We are free to be able to live actually any way we want to. But we're asked to live in certain ways. We've been given freedom. MSG, uh, MSG, the message um, says the body will try to make us a slave to our whims. And, and, and our bodies have cravings, don't they? They have passions, they have desires. And our bodies don't speak English, but we understand them fully. We know when they're, when they're telling us, um, feed me, or more food, or more drink, or more sugar. Actually, more sugar, and more sugar, and more pleasure, and more delight, and I want rest and no pain. All of these things, they're not said in English, but we absolutely know what our body's telling us. Yeah. See, the body is connected to the brain. And it's surprising the little thoughts that arise that cause us to pamper our bodies, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder what your little thoughts are. I wonder what the lies are that you have in your mind that allow you to skip exercise or to eat more or to become addicted in some way 
And, and you just excuse yourself, like I do. I enjoy mochas. And I, I, if I go to a cafe and I have to pay $5 for a drink, I really don't like paying for a cup of tea. <laughs> if I'm going to spend $5 for something I, that I know I've got heaps of them at home yeah. that cost next to nothing, I don't really like it. And my favourite drink is a mocha. And, and a black coffee has around about two calories. Green tea probably has even less than that. And I go to the counter thinking, um, I'm going to have a green tea or a black coffee. And, and I looked up on the internet, and a mocha has 394 calories. <laughs> and I go to the counter thinking, I'm going to order green tea or black coffee. And it's amazing how quickly, just as he says, what, or she says, what would you like? I respond, mocha, thank you. And I just do this instantaneous switch and I convince myself that it's worth having a mocha because it's $5 and it's only this once. It just happens most of the time. <laughs> what, is your, what are your little gremlin things that run through your head that excuse some sort of behavior that actually isn't good for your body? You know, there are many of us who think this actually is my body, therefore I can put whatever I like into it, and I can do whatever I like with it, and we've introduced into our bodies some form of addiction. Now, one of those addictions can be sex, um, and, and another sort of addiction can be alcohol and drunkenness, another sort of addiction can be drugs, but... We've can, we can get ourselves into this situation, and Paul says, become the master of your own body again. You don't need to, to, to let this actually take place, whether it's porn, or whether it's one-night stands, or whether it's prostitution, or whether it's drunkenness, or whether it's a, a, a drug issue that you're, you're facing. Paul says, take control of your body again. You know, I was absolutely amazed when, when I, um, a few weeks ago, to read a book review in the Sunday paper. And I came across this incredible story of a neuroscientist a prof who was a professor at a university called Mark Lewis. And he's written a, a book. Did anyone read that article about a month ago in the Sunday paper? I was drinking a mocha reading this <laughs> in the paper on a Sunday afternoon. And he found that his own lectures were making him bored. So you can imagine, as the, as the professor, what the students were um, feeling. And so he started uh, um, bringing interest into his own lectures by talking about his previous life as a drug addict. And, and he was a drug addict. He said he started by drinking bottles of cough medicine, and then he would raid hospitals and steal the medicines that were there, and finally ended up as a full-blown addict addicted to heroin, cocaine, and LSD. 
And he had a long period of time like this. But now he's a happily married man with children. He's a professor in a university, and he has been for years and years. And he says, I can, I can drink um, alcohol. Uh, I can have a, a, a wine with my meal if I wish to. And he said, I've been in hospital for accidents, and I've been given serious um, uh, medicine, probably morphine. He said, I can come off those things. And he began to realize this isn't what the medical world tells us is true. The medical world tells us that once an addict, always an addict. And so he began, he said, and, and his students started to get amazed at what he was telling them too. And he dedicated the rest of his life to researching this. And what he found was that but somewhere between 50 to 80% of addicts come off without, uh, without going through, they, they have to go through all of the... Uh, the um, uh, withdrawal as normal, but they don't have to go through 12 steps and, and, uh, and, and constantly focusing on their, their sickness and saying, I'm never going to do that again, I'm never going to do that again. And most come off without any formal t- sort of program at all. And he said, what it is, is they find something more attractive that they fix their mind on. For some people, it's love. You know, if you're an addicted guy or a drunken guy, Classy girls aren't really interested in drunken people. And people have just broken out because they've said, I no longer want to live this way, I want her. For him, it was the realization that he wanted a normal life again more than the scary, uh, troubled life of 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 an injecting addict, addict. And that desire to have his life back again was a more powerful thing that he focused his mind on. It's amazing. It's exactly what Romans chapter 2, 12 and verse 2 says. If you want to be transformed, it's by the renewing of your mind, a greater, a greater desire in the mind than what is previously there. You know, the amazing thing is the Christian has God on their side as well, helping them. His grace empowering them into breaking those things. So whether it's something to do with uh, weight gain or eating too much or not exercising or addictions, be they sexual or be they in some other area, the Bible says your body's so important, get control of it back. I love what Richard Black said when he was preaching here about six months ago. And he, he was talking about sin, he was specifically talking about pornography, and he was explaining how the brain changes, and with pornography there's, there's um, chemicals that are like drugs into a person's head, and he, but he was saying that when this happens, um, he, he was saying this doesn't hardwire the brain, that it softwires the brain. And the brain can be changed again when a greater desire to live pure and to live holy becomes the focus of what a person sets their mind on. You know, there have been um, uh, studies done with cabbies who, who have to learn a whole city of what it looks like, of every street, and, and they, their brain enlarges in certain areas to enable them to be able to do that. But if they haven't driven the cab for two years, the brain goes back. Isn't it interesting what the brain can do? So whether it's in small ways or big ways, you are designed to manage your body. The third thing is, your body will be resurrected after you die. Isn't that good? You're never going to get away from it. You do get a body 
a number two version, you get an upgraded version. But, but we're getting it back. Whether, we, whether we're cremated, whether we're ashes spread over the sea, God's going to just gather all those bits together as part of the basis of what, he, what the body is built in. We get an upgraded version of our body. And if God thinks that strongly about the fact that he loves what he's created, he doesn't want to put us into another form for eternity. I don't know what age we'll be in eternity in terms of looks. I sort of think it'll be about 17 to 22, what you looked like right then, and how you felt. Oh, you still feel that way, don't you? You still feel as if you can do all the things you used to do. It's just not quite so easy to do it. But you know, our bodies are going to be resurrected. And, and I was amazed again when I, I saw um, something on TV the other night of an industry in Jerusalem with the Jews. And they know that their bodies are going to be raised back to life again. And so there's an industry of trying to be buried as close to where uh, the Messiah, they wouldn't necessarily call him Jesus, but where the Messiah is going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. But they've run out of real estate. There's no space to be able to put any more tombs that are there. And so they built car parks. Did anyone see this the other day? They built car parks close to the Mount of Olives, where on every floor there's no cars parking, there's just bodies in their caskets. But there's no room for any more high-rise real, um, uh, funeral burial grounds. <laughs> And so now they've dug down under the ground and creating big, vast caverns under the ground as close to the mountain as they possibly can. Because they know this truth that we're eternal and God loves what he's created and the body's going to be there. And I guess they think they'll rise first because they're closest. And so they're spending a lot of dosh, a lot of money to actually do this. But God thinks about our body this strongly that it, it's really important to him. And then it, it says, um, in, the, in verse 15, it says, My body is connected to the body of Christ. Yeah. Not just our spirit is connected to the body of Christ, but our physical body is connected to the body of Christ. And I think this is really interesting. When you ask, what sort of condition is the body of Christ in? Well... Perhaps in this case, not so good. You see, the Bible says that our lives are read by people. We're just looked at. We're watched. What's the body of Christ like? Well, I know a Christian. You look at him physically. He's, he or she is there. We are told to represent Christ. Or we could say we are told to represent Christ. What do people see of the body of Christ when they look at us? That's what it's talking about. That our body in some way represents what the body of Christ, Christians across the globe, look like and are like. There's a physical aspect to it. How we treat our bodies in some way indicates something of how we treat Christ's body. And then fifthly, it says, the Holy Spirit lives in our bodies. Verse 19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Amen. It used to be that God lived in a tent or a building when he was on the earth. 
when, the, when the sovereign God visited the earth, he came down into a tent or a building. And they were special, and they were ornate, and they were purpose-built places. They were sacred. They were extremely valuable sites. But now, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your body. We are his temple. You are his temple. We are the shell that's around the Holy Spirit. If you go back into the building sort of image, like a church, and we talk about the church as this, but actually the church is us. But if we think of the church as this, if, some, if we came along here and someone was smashing the windows and get spray cans and they were writing all over the walls, you would try to stop that person in some way, either on this or physically. Yeah. They're desecrating it. We just wouldn't. We'd say, that's not a right thing to do. And this is what Paul's trying to get across when we desecrate this one, yeah. the temple that our God lives in. Maybe by too much junk food. Maybe by not exercising how we would like to. Maybe in some other way we desecrate it. Maybe too much stress. You know, God has his home inside of us and he'd like it to look nice. How important is your body? And then sixthly, Jesus brought our bodies... On the cross. Verse 20 says, For you were bought with a high price. We're his by design and creation. We're also his by the cross. He gave up his body to get us saved, so he asks us to honor him in how we treat and live with our body. Isn't that pretty cool sort of motivation to get involved and to, to look after ourselves more? Treating our bodies well, eating right, eating less, exercising, and trying to take stress out of our lives is really, really, really important. Caring for yourself by implementing, implementing some of these things really matters. I wonder if we could just have an attitude of prayer. So you just, maybe just think, sit. You know, very often, when God asks us to do something, to do as well, we're let down by the amount of energy we've got in our lives. An opportunity to be able to serve him comes and you think, oh, I just can't. I couldn't be out another night of the week. I couldn't do that with that person. And we're reacting to the actual, actually how we feel. And we're just not prepared and to be able to make the move that God would love us to be able to make. Imagine if God said Africa. doesn't matter your age because he picked Moses at 80. So you're not off the hook if you're under 80. <laughs> you're not off the hook if you're over 80 because Moses did another 40 years of work. Imagine if he said Africa to you, what your body would say back in return. But imagine if all the freedom and energy was pumping through you of your body in really good condition, and God said to you, I want you to do this on such and such a night. And your body's not complaining, but, but saying, yeah, yeah, we could do it. We could do this. 
Now, it won't tell you that in English, but it'll tell you it in what's coming to you. And that's the issue. God's got a will and a plan and a purpose. It's a great plan and purpose for your life. He's given you dreams. He's given you ideas, not just for your business, not just for your 